good. Do your do your do your little intro. Stepped out of my zone. my zone. I had to get out all alone, alone. and figure it out on my own. My own. And I know what I really want now. Can't stop me, can't break me. Do your do your do little intro. Shoot for the stars, no safety. And now I see clearly. Sometimes you gotta explain to the person who's supposed to be producing your show. He's supposed to give me to go ahead. Want me to start talking to you people. Sometimes he just hard-headed. It's all right. No. You know, you can't. Beggars can't be choosers. Good help ain't always the best help. <laughs> and AC at times, he does mess up. But it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Because we're back with a, another episode of Lose, Rants, Raves, and Predictions. Um, Last week was very interesting. That's that those numbers came in. I kind of told you ahead of time, though, that um, cartoons are hard to track. I always say that every time these cartoon movies come out, and I'm burning it up because there's no telling with parents what they're going to do. Like, parents don't necessarily like rushing out opening weekend if they think it's going to be way too many people there. And they did not rush out for Toy Story. I know initial tracking was 140, 150. I said Toy Story has the potential, as most people thought. To come in on the high side, even over to like 165, 170. And then Toy Story comes in at 20.9. That is 20 million below Disney's light estimates. But again, when I say that, when this happens, it happens that way because parents don't like rushing out over the weekend with their children at times to see cartoon movies. During this week so far, Toy Story is killing, doing almost 20 million per day. So it's, it's clearly killing during the week because again, I say parents don't like working out. Uh, child's play came in a little better at 15 million. But again, as I said from the jump, I don't know who the hell knew this movie was coming out. Not a surprise there. Anna bombed just like I thought it would because again, no one knew it was coming out. But this week, This week's wide releases are, we got Yesterday, the new Danny Boyle film, which involves a lot of Beatles music, so you would assume the older crowd is going to come up from that. And then we have the next chapter in the Conjuring Universe, Annabelle, which dropped early, so their numbers are going to be a little skewed. It dropped on Wednesday this week, but it is the big movie for the weekend. So a quiet before the storm, before we get... Spider-Man Far From Home drop it. So, this weekend, expect Toy Story to still be number one. I'm going to say $55 million this weekend for Toy Story. It's going to be a decent drop. Again, they're killing it during the week. So, if the drop is a little bit bigger on the weekend, that's perfectly fine. Because clearly parents are going out during the week to see this movie with their children. Summer breaks up. We got 4th of July coming up this weekend. It makes perfectly good sense for that. I believe the second film this week will be Annabelle. It's so hard to track a horror movie when they open one up on a Wednesday. Because normally by Friday, if bad word is out on it, or if good word is out on it, it's a drastic swing either way. I'm going to say for the three-day weekend, Annabelle should come in around 20 to 23 million for the whole five-day corridor that is open up. 
maybe 35 to 40 million somewhere that total for annabelle which wouldn't be bad it did seven million is opening day on wednesday so that's not too bad yesterday is it yesterday is kind of weird here normally a movie of this stature if it was reviewed better the numbers would come in better i think on rotten tomato it's like at a 65 but it's a lot of beatles music and a story is kind of interesting of a man being in an accident waking up in world that there's no Beatles music and he's remembering these songs and because he's remembering these songs he's he's playing them as like his records so it's kind of interesting it's, it's going to be a sing-along type of nature to the film I know it's pacing at like 10 million I'm gonna say that that possibly is a good number for it because this should be opening up in September definitely not in June so 10 or 15 million possibly a good opening weekend for yesterday. So that's this week's predictions. Story Story remains at number one, around 55 million. Annabelle comes home, coming in number two, around 20, 23 million for the three-day, 35 to 40 million for its whole five-day opening. Number three, most likely yesterday, I'm going to say between 10, to 15, which means it could land up in 12, $13 million for it. And I'd be a surprise there. And now we get to this week's brave. Some real positive. And I'm pulling positivity from somewhere I never thought I would have to pull positivity from or that I could pull it from. So, this week I watched the BT Awards. What you thinking? Most people don't watch the BT Awards anymore because BT has been slipping a little bit of late. And when Viacom bought them, it, it kind of like took away what it meant for black entertainment television because they t started melding it way too much with BT and VH1. But this horror show was pretty decent. Nice performances. RJ Blige really received the Lifetime Achievement Award and more than deserved it. Gave a rip roaring performance, even though halfway through the performance, Murray got a little tired. And Murray was like, You know, I'm, I'm gonna give y'all a couple of these steps, I'm gonna hit a couple of these notes, I'm gonna try to bring me some dancers or something out of here. And that's what happened. But the keyboard of the raid this week is from Mr. Tyler Perry. Now, I know on Lucas and Mo versus the world, I've spoken about Tyler Perry before. Not necessarily in a positive way, but always in a negative way. I mean, his movies are his movies. It is what it is. He, he, he sells to a certain demographic. And I've always been honest about that demographic and why his movies may come across as being a little crappy because of that demographic. But I always say his movies didn't matter. You got to praise the man for the work he puts in. So this week at the BET Awards, when he put forth this amazing, amazing speech. Just about ownership and acceptance in a black community from black. In a black, black community as a black filmmaker. And what we, we should expect. And the acceptance that we don't need from other people. He went on to talk about independence and owning whatever you do. Very strong message. Very, very strong message for anybody who 
who likes to create content. Like, own what you do. Like, that doesn't have, that, that's not said too often. I mean, if, if you're a person like me, you listen to like the Joe Budden podcast or the uh, Jamel Hill podcast or any of these popular podcasts that they, that they speak about ownership. So, for Tyler to come on stage and tell harrowing stories about where we're at and where we need to get to and how he got to it. And even him telling the stories about his mom and how his mom and her friends would get together and play cards and they would tell these harrowing stories and how those stories made him write the films that he wrote. It kind of helped explain to certain people why it felt like his work is leaned heavily to a certain demographic. You know, person like me, I always understood that. that it was obvious. It was obvious why it was leaned that way. But for people who didn't know, this helped paint that picture for them why it was leaned that way and why Todd Perry is the man he is. He brings up his movie studio, which is massive for people who don't know it or have not seen it. I have been to Atlanta. I have actually seen Tyler Perry's studio. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is, I believe, twice the size as the Warner Brothers lot. So that should tell you just how big his studio is. For him to be, as he says, a black man who bought property that used to be held by Confederate armies as they plotted against black people, how to hold four million black people down. And now you have this one black man that owns all this property. That part of the speech was cool, but what what we need to focus on is that he built a studio. <laughs> like, let, let's be real here, people. Let's 100% real here. You could name directors who have more money and more influence than Tyler Perry. My head... George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, James Cameron. Just to name a few. You want to know one thing you have not heard any of them build? A film studio. None of them have built a film studio. So Tyler Perry being the industry leading man that he is decides that I'm going to build a film studio at a place where now magically Everybody likes to shoot movies at. Everybody likes to shoot movies in Atlanta. Marvel shoots the majority of their stuff in Atlanta. And you know what's the biggest film studio in Atlanta? Matter of fact, the only one. Tyler Perry Studio. It, 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 it's a heck of a move to do. And even better that it allows him to create his own content. And hours upon hours upon hours of his own content. As if you saw during the BC Awards, they ran a little clip of BC Plus, which is now coming out, which is Viacom deciding that, hey, we sell to black people. Let's make a streaming service geared strictly to black people. And who better than to attempt to lease content from and to get new content from? Mr. Tyler Perry. And this is the reason he left his deal with Oprah was to start this deal with BET, which is a heck of a deal. No one knows the certain parameters of it, but I'm almost 100% sure he owns a large piece of the streaming rights 
there's no way he wouldn't. And I mean, not just the streaming of his stuff. I mean, the streaming of everything that's going to show on that. So again, this is something we got to applaud someone of this nature. You may not like his movies. You may not like that he dresses up as a black woman. You may not like multiple things about Tyler Perry. But Tyler Perry is the most powerful black person in Hollywood. I understand people would automatically think Oprah. You may even think Will Smith. Some people on a lesser scale may think of a Denzel Washington. No. No one in Hollywood is more powerful than Tyler Perry. And again, if, if you question me about that, and I know the question would only be about Oprah, because we're going to get him to Oprah later, but, you know, some people love Oprah. Oprah's network was failing until she got with her friend and asked him to create content for her network. That shows you the power of Tyler Perry and the audience that he always brings. And for that reason, even though we don't do it all the time, we actually need to applaud him for everything he does. Not just for black people, but for young filmmakers, because he gives any and everybody a chance. So that's my phrase this week for Mr. Tyler Perry. Again, very, very powerful speech. Very powerful speech. It made me realize that um, I'm talking to AC about it, that I need to um, take Earth 2 over and own of Earth 2. You know, because you know, my, 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 my other partner, you know, I don't think he respects that I put out more content than him. I know he's going to listen to this and he's going to be like, can't believe he said that. But you're right. I said it. I said it. Deal with it, man. <laughs> and here it is. I had to get a little joy out because this week's rant. <clears throat> As I said, during the race, that when it came to most powerful black people in Hollywood, people would question me saying that Tyler Perry is the most powerful when Oprah Winfrey is around. Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Here's the thing, people. Here, here is the thing about Miss Oprah Winfrey. And I want you to think about it. And please believe this is not hate, because I do, I respect anyone who puts in the time and the effort that she put in to build her empire. Can I ask you a question though for you? Just a couple of quick questions. And you know what? I'm not I'm not saying I'm gonna alienate a bit of our audience by me saying this. Um, um our our Caucasian brothers and sisters who may listen to Earth too, you may disagree with what I'm about to say. And I understand it and I'm perfectly fine with it. But anyone else? Could you name me a time before Oprah started her network where it seemed like she was gearing content towards black people? Don't worry about it. I'm going to give you a second to think about that. Think about it real, real hard here. Before OWN Network was launched, when the hell 
Did it seem like Oprah Winfrey cared about black people? Already expect definite silence because you can't name a fucking time before she started that goddamn network that she cared about black people. When she was saying, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Looking at her audience and see those faces of all those white women, they were so happy that they were getting a car. Of course, she would um, bring us on there once in a while whenever she bought the fresh new black movie star or the fresh black hippity hoppity artist or Beyonce out there. Of course, of course, seemed like she cared about us then, right? She didn't. We weren't part of her actual audience. And we knew it. I remember back in the day we used to do you know, so many comedy specials. I used to see so many comedy skits about Oprah not caring about black people. And not being black, here you go, white people, because I know some of y'all not black and you don't understand it. We make fun of things that actually hurt us. It's, it's our way of coping. And that was our way of coping with the point that Oprah Winfrey, who was gaining as the most powerful black woman, seemed not to care about black people. And I'm not saying behind the scenes she may didn't do things, but she clearly did not put that shit on the forefront. And to me, she didn't put it on the forefront because black people don't say. And it's cool. It's cool. But then magically, she gave a Discovery USA and they decided to launch their own network. Her network starts off and it's failing because ain't shit on there nobody want to fucking see. So all that white audience that she had from her television show, Ain't none of them follow her. Ain't none of them show up. So what did she do? She went and got her black friend, who she knew his audience was well over 80% black. I need you to create content for my my network. He creates it. We flock to it. We show pride in it. Because one of us has a television network. We decide to start forgetting the way our treatment from Oprah has been. And what made us forget it the most? Because she was out in front for Barack Obama, our black president. So because Oprah was there, we was like, you know what, we're going to forget all your past transgressions of treating us like shit because we didn't make your marketing budgets go up. We understood it. We forgave you for it. Then you just produce more and more black content. It's like every show got blacker. As, as Uncle Ruckus would say, everything got blacker and blacker and blacker. And we loved it. We fucking loved it. Queen Sugar, the have, the have not. Anything else created our own network. We was talking, fix my life, Ayala. John Gray, we loved it because you were catering. To the same audience that Tyler Perry has always catered to. Oprah was finally there with them. And then I know what you're thinking. If we forgave her, Lou, if we forgave her, why are we talking about Oprah now, Dad? How could, what would make you want to feel the need to rant about Oprah if you tell us we forgave her? A couple of months ago, a special came out on HBO of two gentlemen. That's all I'm going to call them a gentleman. I'm not going to speak my full truth of what I think about them. 
two gentlemen come out and decide that they need to reveal to the world that Michael Jackson, as they say, touched them. Now, at the time of this documentary, oh, mockumentary, I'm not going to call it a document. This mockumentary is coming out. More and more evidence comes out. Hey, these people, their stories may not be 100% credible. It may not be 100% believable. Black community almost as a whole decide, you know what, man, we got more than enough to let you know that this looks like a cash grab. But then who gets behind them? Hmm? Who jumps behind these two gentlemen and attempts to legitimize their story? Miss Oprah, I miss my white audience Winfrey. This motherfucker even had the nerve to have her wife, Gail Winfrey, come on TV also to back these dudes up. It was then, as a black community, I think a lot of us got together and said, you know what? We knew it. We knew you would play this game. We knew what she was going to try to do. Your interview, simulcast on your network and HBO. So that means you had to make a deal with HBO to do this. You couldn't do it by yourself. That's the only impossible. And then in there, you let them tell their story. You don't like even attempt to reach out to anybody to tell Michael's stories if he can't tell it for himself, even though on multiple occasions she damn sure used Mike. She damn sure did some of the ratings for her show. No, no, no. You're not going to reach out to any of his family about it. You're going to tell the world you believe these two. You wholeheartedly believe their stories. Even though, as you're saying, you believe their stories, more and more stuff comes out that these two motherfuckers is lying, but then you come your punk ass on TV and tell the world that you believe them. Then your wife, Gail Winfrey, comes on TV to tell her that she believes these two people too. Then all of a sudden, everything comes. Everything hits the fan. Everything hits the fan. All this shit comes out. Okay. Wait a minute. The guy who directed the documentary didn't even do the proper research on these two people. Wait a minute. They got these cases against Michael. They got thrown out because of the same shit. Wait a minute. One of them didn't have no issue with Mike until after Michael's death where he didn't get hired to choreograph one of the shows. Then your punk ass Miss Oprah Winfrey, you go silent. That little interview you did with them, that shit aired one time and that shit ain't air again. You went in the radio silence because you knew that you fucked up. You went after that white audience again. You thought this is the perfect time to get them to my network. And that shit backfired on you. And then black people start putting out there, you need to be canceled. Because how dare you disrespect Michael Jackson by not interviewing these two people? Because you could have interviewed them. No one gave a fuck about that. But then you get on there and say, you 100% believe them. Wow. I know that white dollar can be strong. And I know at times. I know, I know because you don't own the whole network, 
I know because you don't own that own network. It makes it a little strong. And then your punk ass do that. But just like the cool you are, if you're along with Ava, you attach yourself to her beautiful Netflix series about the Central Park Five. You go to review the set. You go and interview the Central Park Five. And miraculously, some black people have forgiven you again. A fucking again. We've forgiven you for putting white people and white dollars in front of us at any given time. We forgave you because you interviewed these five young men. You let them tell their stories. You cried with them. You hugged them. You did everything you were supposed to do. And we don't forgave you again. But well, I'm here to tell you, I ain't forgave you. You still a piece of shit. You will remain a piece of shit. And they make it no better afterwards that you, Ava DuVay, Gail Winfrey come out talking about you don't like being called auntie. But then Oprah, 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 you release a statement and say, when I'm in Africa, it's a sign of respect when they call me auntie. But over here, I don't want to be called auntie. You see how that shit works? It, you just you just don't know when to shut the fuck up. We we get it. We get it. We understand it. We accept it. We're giving you two strikes. Because that auntie shit ain't a strike. That's just the realization of the person that you are. But we're giving you two strikes at this point. For some people, you are already out. Other people, they're willing to give you another chance. For a person like me, I'm not willing to give another chance. You've already proved it in my lifetime exactly who you are. For over 20 years, I watched you do a show where you didn't care care about black people. Then I see you open up a network. Once it starts failing, you flop back to black people. Then you do that interview with Mike because you wanted those white dollars back. Because all them white motherfuckers, all them Me Too people, they, they couldn't, ooh, they can't wait to attempt to bury that man. And here you are legitimizing everything they said up until the story falls apart. So, Miss Winfrey, this is me. Only me. You gotta blame Mo. You gotta say nothing to AC. This is just me telling you I no longer accept anything you do. Fuck you. Fuck your network. And that's hard for me to say fuck your network. Because some shows on there I actually like But I'll wait Because most of those shows are owned by Warner Brothers I'll wait till they pull that shit onto their little platform And I'll watch it on there But I'm not watching, doing, I'm not buying I'm not doing any shit thing That could possibly lead to putting money In the hands of someone who I see As being worse than the most racist white person I could ever meet And you don't know why At least with the racist white person I know they don't like they let that shit be known. But when you got a motherfucker who will stab you in the back, they're the person you should be watching out for. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to another episode of Lose, Rants, Raves, and Predictions. We out.